The direction we're going in tonight is to teach you how to lay hold of the blessing of God that he's already given you in Christ. So we're just going to get in the word. We're going to go through some principles in that. So let's just start in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. That, that scripture just exploded in my heart as we were worshiping tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Guys, we are a body of believers, aren't we? We're developing in spirit. We're growing up in spirit. We're developing our spirit man. In the process, our mind is being renewed with the word of God, which transforms our life because now we can dictate to our flesh what, what it's going to do and what it's not going to do. I'm not led by my flesh. I'm not led by the outside. I'm led by the inside, right? You got to learn how to discipline your thought life. That's so important in laying hold of the blessings of God. Here's a principle. Just, I'll just throw it out there. Until you learn to discipline your thought life, you won't be able to discipline your flesh. You have to... See, it all starts with a thought, right? Because if you don't take wrong thoughts captive... And if you don't embrace right thoughts by speaking them and starting to speak them over your life so that those thoughts go, I mean, it's the word, so it goes deep in your heart. If you don't do that and you start, you start embracing wrong thoughts, you'll start believing wrong, you'll start believing wrong things. We've talked about this so much. A wrong thought will produce a wrong belief. Right? And see, a wrong belief now will produce wrong speech. It'll produce wrong words. Because you, whatever, whatever you believe is what you're seeing, and whatever you see is what you're saying. So God is saying, look to me. Fix your eyes on me. Abide in the secret place of the Almighty, right? We keep our eyes focused on him because, see, if we think wrong, we're going to believe wrong. It'll produce a wrong belief. And then wrong beliefs will produce wrong speech. You'll start speaking wrong. And wrong speech will now produce wrong actions. And wrong actions will produce sin and death in your life. And sin and death is to have no part of our life. Right? We've been redeemed from all of it. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, He will lead you into all this. So tonight's going to be all about we got to hear right. One of the things that God is real big here is we're going to preach the Word of God. We're never going to back off anything. We're going to preach the Word because it's important that we all hear right. Because when we hear right, and if you'll go from this place and grab hold of this stuff and start speaking it over your life and meditating in those words, tonight, scriptures are going to be jumping out at you. Write them down and, and speak them over your life tonight, tomorrow, all the time. What happens now is a right belief will get birthed in you. You'll no longer see yourself as you seem. You'll see yourself as you really are, a world overcomer. Someone who's already got the victory. And it'll make Satan sound stupid. 
What do you mean? I'll never be victorious. That's like, Satan, that's like telling me when I'm in a pool that I'll never be wet. Right? It, that belief will get so big in you. And then what will happen is that's what you're going to be talking about all the time. I, this is who I am in Christ. I'm forgiven. Sin has no dominion over me anymore. I was buried with him in baptism. I was literally raised to newness of life. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. Sin doesn't dominate me. And so now the wages of sin is death. Now death has no part in my life. It can't even get there. Because I'm, I'm hearing right, I'm thinking right, right? So I'm believing right, now I'm speaking right, I'm acting right. So let's look at who we are in Christ. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 17, it says, therefore, if any man, that's man, right? There's two, two genders in man, male and female. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, this means a new, in the Greek it means a new original form. That, see, I, years ago I worked for a company. Uh, when I lived in Decatur, then I moved to Southern California and I moved for a company. I worked for a company in Southern California that was based in Decatur. And they made fire hydrants. You didn't know Hieronymus Mueller invented the fire hydrant, did you? In great information that I have that really means nothing, right? <laughs> but one time they had me go down to Chattanooga, Tennessee and Albertville, Alabama because they wanted to give me a tour of the foundries. And they had forms that they would pour metal into and it was a form that would form the hydrant. You, see, God has a form for you. He formed you. In your mother's womb. He knew you before he ever created the earth. And there's only one of you. There will never be another one. There never has been another one. You're an original form. And once you were born, that mold was broken. Isn't that cool? That word also means a new species. One who has never existed before. See, we all look the same. We all look human on this planet. But if you could see the spirit of somebody who does, who's not born again, they don't look at all like you look. They have no strength. Even though they might have position. They might have 24-inch biceps. They might be a Mr. Olympia bodybuilder. Their spirit can't move anything. But you and I? How do we move? Well, in him, we move. We live and move, and we have our being. We could say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. And if we don't doubt in our heart, why won't we doubt in our heart? Because we believe his word, right? We'll, we'll have what we say, the Bible says. So, if, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, now look at this, old things are passed away. Behold, the word of God says. When you see behold, that means look at this. All things, all things are become new. If you go down to the next verse and it says, and all things are of God. So all the new that you were made the moment you got born again 
It's all of God. Not part of God and part not. It feels like that. But realize you are not a body. Right? You are a spirit. Now see, this is why I said this. Now I know why I said this during the offering. Positionally, everything changed the moment you got born again. You were placed in Christ, right? You were seated with him. You were given all things that pertain to life and godliness. All these, you were blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. All the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him, amen, right? So now I'm a new creature. I'm brand new. Old things, everything, the old life, the sin nature has been stripped out of you because you were not renovated, you were made brand new. Your, your spirit has no sin nature. Paul said in, in Romans two times, it's no longer that I, uh, I'm not the one sinning, it's the nature, it's in my flesh. And he realized that, and now he's saying, guys, in chapter 8, this is how you walk free, right? So this is what we're talking about. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are, come new, are, are become new. And it, look at this. And all things are of God who has reconciled us, reconciled us to himself, See, the word reconciled means a mutual exchange. So God had to give something in order to get us. So like if you were in grade school and they were picking teams, God picked you. Isn't that awesome? He picked you. But in order to pick you, he had to give up something. So that would be like, that would be like God if he was picking a basketball team. He'd give up someone whose, whose ability to play basketball far surpasses, the beginning of their ability far surpasses anything LeBron James will ever become. Because the greatest basketball player in the universe is Jesus. We all know that. Right? He invented it. And God, in order to get Tony Finley for his basketball team, he gave Jesus. For God to have you, the word reconciled means a mutual exchange. He traded his son, the creator of everything, for you. Boy, Satan doesn't want you to see that. He reconciled us. Look at that. He didn't just reconcile us to his team or to heaven, to himself. We're one with him. He's in me and I'm in him. Isn't that awesome? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. I think I've quoted it, but I think we need to, I want you to see this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Look at this. When that happened, look at what happened to you. In Ephesians 1, 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, that means he's done this in the past, blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Wow, are you in Christ tonight? The Bible says you are. If the Spirit of, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, you're in Christ. Isn't that awesome? 
so all you're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. See, what are we talking about? We have to know this to lay hold of our blessing. Because see, if you think that God has not blessed you already with everything, you're going to go to him in prayer. You're going to read the Bible and read this little, uh, you're going to read this little verse that says ask, and you're not going to dig on that word. And you're going to think ask means, hey, sweetheart, can I have this or can I do this? You're going to think it's asking, but that's not what the Greek word is. It literally means to call for, to require, to make a demand for. Why? Basically, it's like, Father, can you, can you pass me my healing? Instead of, oh God, please heal me. See, oh God, please heal me. He doesn't hear because that's not prayed in line with his word. There's not one promise that says God will heal you. But there's hundreds that says he's already healed you. There's not one scripture that says he will bless you. Like you do something in your future and in the future he's going to bless you. No, no. It says he's already done it. He's already blessed you. So now when you embrace it and you see who you are, now it changes your prayer life. And now you're inviting the God of heaven who said, I watch over my word to perform it in your life. You realize you don't have to perform anything anymore. You simply have to, I mean, it's how you got saved. You just had to believe him and you were made the righteousness of the God of all creation. I simply believe him and I, I could get things in my body fixed. In, incurable diseases healed. Incurable financial diseases healed. Right? All of a sudden, I could take this word and it'll lead me into prosperity because you're going to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers, but only in planting the word of God in your heart can your soul prosper. That's what James says. The engrafted word is able to bring salvation to your soul. Isn't that good news? Ephesians 1.3 is awesome. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Wow. Isn't that awesome? You know, the Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, even with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. I wonder if healing's part of that spiritual blessing. It absolutely is. We've been redeemed, Galatians chapter 3 says in verse 13, from the curse of the law. According to Deuteronomy 28, the curse of the law includes all sickness, all disease. All the new ones that come about, all, they could all be funneled down right to spiritual or satanic oppression. And we have been redeemed from all of it. How? Because Christ was made a curse for you and I. For it is written, it says in the word of God, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And Jesus was made sick so that you could be made healed. Right? He was made to bear your sin so that you would be made the righteousness of God in him. He was made poor so that you through his poverty might be made rich. It's all in Isaiah 53. You can't separate 
healing, from provision and prosperity, from spiritual life. You can't separate it. It's all part of, of salvation. And you're an heir of it because you chose to believe. And you were born again as a very child of God. A new one, a new creature. Isn't that awesome? See, the sad thing is if you're only born once, you're going to die twice. But boy, if you're born twice. Man, I was born once. I don't really remember it. It was January 22nd, 1962. But oh, that second time I was born, that was awesome. July of 1966, I got born. Didn't even have any idea. It wasn't until I was 18 years old that I started learning about some of this stuff. But boy, it changes your life forever. So let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Look at what it says here. 2 Peter 1, 3. You guys doing okay? I am a little bit fired up tonight. God wants you well. He wants you blessed. Boy, I'll tell you, religion doesn't like us to say those things. And to that we say, so what? You don't know how much I don't care. Because I got to tell you, there are thousands of people that live in this area that would give anything to know and see what you know and see. They just don't know it. But they will. But they will. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Look at this. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life, that's unto zoe, that's unto the God quality of life, and godliness. How does it come to us? Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You already have it tonight. Oh, you may not feel like you have it, but don't, don't let your feelings dictate your life. Let God's word dictate your life. And I can tell you this, it'll produce feelings that you've never felt before. Way beyond anything. God, he makes all things new. You invite him into your life, he'll make everything in your life new. He doesn't know how to do any different. He makes everything new. I mean, think of it. He's the God of all mercy. And for how many years has he, his mercy is new every morning. But yet he's been doing this for a long time. He's got new mercy for you tomorrow. Isn't that awesome? It always says, behold, I make all things new. Isn't that awesome? Your past as a child of God is not to dictate your future. Ever. Ever. Because when you got born again, old things were all passed away. And behold, everything became new. Well, that was new for me in 1966. Guess what? I've messed up a few times. A few million times between then and now, right? But guess what? It was never as big as what salvation was. Where sin abounds, grace does much more. And that word, that phrase, much more, it's so much more you can't even compare it. That's who we are, guys. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. 
according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Wow. Do you think, do you think that God ever stepped off his throne and twisted his ankle and went, oh, or, or he was out doing something? You know, in Job it says he walks on the sea, right? That's why Jesus walked on the water, because his dad did. His, he, Jesus is so under the influence of his father, all he wanted to do or say is what his dad did, right? And Job 9 tells us that God is a God who treads on the sea. But do you think while he was treading on the sea, he ever tore his ACL and had to, you know, oh my gosh, man, what am I going to do now, right? No, no, no. No, there is no, see, there is no sickness or disease in heaven. None. Zero. That never came around until after Adam sinned. And sin came into the world, and death came in by sin. And when Jesus came out of the grave, the Bible says, he said, I have taken, I have now the keys of death. Sickness and disease never came until death came in this earth. Jesus says, I've got the keys of death and of hell. And I have a name, I have all authority in, in my name now. See, sickness and disease has no place in you as a new creation. You've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. When were you healed? 2,000 years ago. Well, then why do I feel like I do? All you, all you got to do is lay hold of it. It's yours. Yeah, but I don't feel healed. That, don't, don't worry about that. You just grab onto the word, and you believe it in your heart, and you keep thanking him for it, and guess what? You'll see your body change. You'll see your finances change. Not because you're anything. Not because you deserve it. None of that stuff. It's because he spoke it. You know, you've heard me say this before. If, if God showed up right now and said it's Thursday, guess what? It would be Thursday. Because everything he says comes to pass. And he said, by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. Jesus himself bore your sickness and carried your pain. That's when he lived on this earth. Jesus himself was made poor on that cross so that you through his poverty might be made rich. That's a full and overflowing and abundant supply. Isn't that good news? Man, I'm telling you, we got a lot to be thankful for. It says all of this comes through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. So guess what the Holy Spirit's going to lead you to get all the time? Knowledge of him. It's all about, see, so your whole life is to be about knowing God. It's not, about, it's not to be about, can I make enough money? Can I do this? No, it's all about knowing him. And if you'll seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he'll add everything to your life that you need. Isn't that good news? So let's go over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and I believe it's in about verse 20. So now we're in Christ, we're a new creature. We've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. We've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Notice how it always says, in Christ. So why am I saying all this? In order to lay hold of everything that God's given you, you gotta know, you're, you gotta be in Christ. You have to know that you're in Christ, right? So let's look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Look at this, for all the promises of God are what? 
in Christ, in him, yes. And in case you didn't get it the first time, and in him, amen. So if you study hermeneutics, this is God, the Holy Spirit saw fit to say the same thing in like six or eight words, in him. It's who you are. You are in him. And all the promises of God are in him. So how far does God got to go to get it over to you? Nowhere. Because you're in him. And it says all the promises of God are in him. Maybe? No. Yes. They're not no, they're yes. Every promise of God. It's like when you go to your father, hey, father, can I have a cookie? Well, if he said you could have a cookie, he's like, yeah. Right? All the promises are yes and in him, amen, which means so be it unto me. So do you get that? All the promises of God are in him. God says yes. And because you're in him, it causes you to say, so be it unto me. God says you're healed, so be it unto me. God says you're blessed, so be it unto me. God says that you have a sound mind and that you don't have a spirit of fear. Amen, so be it unto me, I'll never fear. God says, behold, I've made all things new. You're a new creature, Tony. All that old junk has passed away. It's gone. You don't ever bring it up because I'm sure not going to bring it up. Right? And what do I say? Amen. Amen. You got to say amen, otherwise you'll never walk in it. You have to say, so be it unto me. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. So lay and hold. Amen. There you go. You guys got that. That's good. <laughs> Hallelujah. It says in verse 21, Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us. Oh my goodness. We're anointed? Is God. Wow. So he's established us? That's awesome. That's for us, right? We're established. But wait a minute. He also anointed you. He didn't anoint you for you. Now you're seeing your purpose. He anointed you for others. He anointed you for all the empty seats. You, you walk by him every day in your life. So as you walk in this, the people are going to see that you're fixed and immovable in righteousness. They're going to see you face stuff and always come out on top. They're going to see you speak and see things change and you got to point it all to God because it's all Him. And He's anointed us. Look at this though. Not only that, but the Bible says in verse 22, and hath, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. You're sealed. You are forever his. What can separate you or who can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. Isn't that good news? So let's look at how this looks as a child of God in prayer. So go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. You guys know these scriptures.
verse 14. You know, some pastors get afraid to preach the same scriptures. But when you understand revelation knowledge, why? Because even as we're speaking them tonight, can you tell there's a depth? The Holy Spirit's bringing revelation. We're seeing deeper into these things. Do you know the deeper you get into revelation, the more you'll see it's for you and the more you'll see it's for others? You'll get to the point where you're like, I have got to tell the world this. You ever go to a movie and you just think it's the greatest thing in the world? You just want to tell everybody? Well, that's like a one on a scale of one to a trillion with God. Because when you see, wait a minute, I've been made free. Wait a minute, my future is sealed. He will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. His love for me never changes. There is nothing I can do to please him. That's a big statement. I made that Sunday. I got some looks. There's not a scripture that says you got to do something to please God. To please him, you got to believe him. Right? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Oh, you're one of those faith preachers. Thank you. Gosh, thank you so much. Right? No, no. What else would we preach? The whole Bible teaches me how to please my God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Did you find it yet? Hallelujah. Let me find it. It says, now let's start in verse 13 because it's so good. Now, verse 11, it's because it's so good. Here we go. Genesis 1-1, because it's so good, right? You guys got a few hours, don't you, right? No, verse 11, we'll just stay in verse 11. Wow. And this is the record. See, I love when the word says that, because I'm telling you, God is all about keeping records. And, and John, by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, goes, and this is the record that God hath, past tense, given to us eternal life. And this life is where? In his Son. Wow. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. Say this with me. I have the Son. Therefore, Therefore, I have eternal life. Isn't that good news? He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Isn't it interesting how tonight we sang so much about the name? I believe God had a plan for this evening, right? that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. See, eternal life doesn't do you any good if you don't know you have it. I grew up believing I would have it when I got to heaven. But I have it right now. All the blessings of eternal life I have right now. Boy, does Satan, right now he's depressed all those little demons and principalities and powers and all this, we're not minimizing them. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our problem's not people. But they're defeated. 
And they're depressed right now. They're all sitting around looking, going, oh, man, they're hearing this again. Why? I mean, look at this. These things I've written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Say this with me. I believe, I believe on, the on the name of the Son of God. Son of God. Amen. Amen. That you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. See, you have to know that you have eternal life so that you can now believe on the name of the Son of God. So uh, what does that mean? That means when I have sickness in my body, I go in the name of Jesus' body, you be healed in Jesus' name. I don't run to God and go, oh God, will you please heal me? Because he already did. So I go to my father and say, Father, I believe that I receive my healing right now and I thank you that I'm healed. Now body, in the name of Jesus, you come in line with the word of God. Heart, whatever it is, you work perfectly and Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. I shut you down. Whatever sickness and disease, you gotta leave my body. Poverty, you gotta leave my life. This is how we live. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We're talking about laying hold. Guys, we're living in the greatest season of faith that, the, that, that creation has ever seen. We're living at the end of the church age. Get ready. You're going to walk in a deeper and wider level of faith than you've ever walked in before in your life. And the church is going to raise up and do things. They say about this last revival that it literally will be every revival in all of church history happening at the same time in greater measure. Wow. This is glory. And, and, and it's all about this, guys. It's all about him. He deserves all the glory, all the honor. He paid the ultimate price to redeem man, and we're going all out for it. See, you can't give what you don't have. So he wants you healed and strong and free so that you can show others what that looks like. Right? Don't be afraid of people finding out about your past. Because when they bring it to you, you go, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, that happened to that person. What do you mean? Well, that person's dead. I'm a new creature. I don't have a past. The, the person that I was did that, but that's not me. I'm brand new. And oh, oh part of that message is, and oh, by the way, no matter who you are, you don't have to clean yourself up to come to God. It's not about being clean. It's about being born again. Being a new creature. Right? You see this? Laying hold of these things. It says here that they may know that they that, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, in this position, you're ready to pray. Because you're believing, right? I go to God now, and I know I have eternal life, and I believe on his name, and now look at what it says. And this is the confidence that we have in him, in him. See, I already know that I have eternal life, and I know what that means to the point to where I now believe in his name. I believe that at the name of Jesus, everything will bow. 
So now, this is my confidence. This is the confidence that I have in him. What is it? If we ask, here's what that Greek word means, if we call for, if we require, right? If we make a demand for, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That's all we need. Because we know, we know we have eternal life and we believe on the name, so we don't have to see it. All we have to know is he heard us. Why? Because, because he watches over his word to perform it. Because it goes on to say here, and if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we call for, make a demand for, or require, we know that we have the petitions that we've desired, King James says desired, in the Greek it means required of him. If he just hears me. So if you need healing, and he said he's provided it, you'll never walk in it until he hears you. So you gotta believe it in your heart, and you gotta speak it out of your mouth. So this is why we focus on working out our own salvation. We're not trying to work out anybody else's salvation. You know, I hope, all, I'm your pastor. I mean, a large part of what I do is pray and watch over your souls. But you're not, you're not going to see me running around here telling you what to do. I'm up to here with making sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to build you up. I'm going to give you the word of God tonight because of the gift that God's placed in me in the office that I stand in, no matter how I'm spitting and drooling and whatever, it doesn't matter. The word of God, that anointing on the Holy Spirit will equip you. It's awesome. Because what God's called me to do, I can't do in myself. But so what? I'm in him. So when, when my father looks at me, he already looks at me as standing before him where he's saying, well done, good and faithful servant. As a matter of fact, every day of my life, he's like, well done, good and faithful servant. He sees me as a world overcomer. I'm already overcome. I've already lived long on the earth. I've already done his will as far as God's concerned. So I'm not trying. How Does Satan just talk to me this way? He, he always tells me about how this church will never become what it's supposed to be, how I'm never going to be the pastor that I'm supposed to be. He always talks. See, he's a liar. And, and, and here's the thing. The truth's not in him. The reason why he lies, it's, see, the truth, the word is not in him, so he doesn't see anything correctly. So he looks at me, and he sees me in the mess of my flesh sometimes, and he starts accusing me. But I stand up and say, no, I'm in Christ. And if I mess up because my spirit has no sin nature in it, the Holy Spirit doesn't even have to convict me of sin. My spirit goes, hey, what are you doing? And then when I go to my father, now, I mean, fellowship was broken because he doesn't dwell with sin. But 
He still is dwelling in me and I'm in him because in relationship, I'm still his child. So now when I just go to him and I confess, I say, Father, let's say I told a lie. I told this lie. I didn't have to. I allowed the sin nature in my flesh to do it. No excuses. So I confess that before you. And part of that confession is also, Father, that lie was condemned 2,000 years ago. Your word says right there in Romans. Romans 8, 2. It was condemned in the body of Jesus. So, Father, right now, in accordance with 1 John 1, 9, I thank you that you forgive me for all my sins. And in case there's anything that I've missed, I'm so thankful that you cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. And boom, right at that moment, now fellowship is restored. And all the doors are closed to the enemy right away. You're like, what? No, you should have to pay. No, I shouldn't. Because Jesus already paid. So you got to renew your mind to this. And you got to renew your mind and renew your mind and renew your mind. We'll get more Sunday morning. But don't wait. Till, you can't wait till Sunday. You, two o'clock in the morning, you might need to hear this again. So before you go to bed tonight, make sure, Father, I just thank you for speaking and ministering to my spirit tonight. I, I don't even know what this means, but I'm going to meditate. I want to meditate in your word day and night. So help me, teach me how to meditate in your word while I'm sleeping. This is how we live, guys. In him we live and move and have our being. So let's, in relation to prayer now, because we have received eternal life, because we believe on the name, when I pray according to his will, I know he hears me. Father, I thank you. I believe I received that and I'm gone because I know now he's gonna, he'll perform it in my life. Right? So look at John chapter 15. This scripture's going off in my heart. Bet you know what verse I'm going to. John chapter 15, maybe verse 7. John chapter 15, verse 7. Look at this. Again, this word ask in this verse, it doesn't mean to ask like we think naturally. It literally means to call for, to require, or to make a demand for. Why? Because it's already done. We're not demanding that God do something. I'm making a demand for something that he's already done and already said he's given me. That's not disrespectful, to be honest with you. It's so respectful. Father, there has been an illegal attack against my body. And I've got an organ that's not working right, or I've got blood levels that are not right, or I've got a knee that's not working right. And Father, according to your will, according to your word, that is not your will for my life. And Jesus himself he, he took care of that. He bore that so I don't have to. So, Father, right now, I'm just making a demand for. I'm calling for. Can I have my healing? Oh, you know, I don't have to say that because all the promises of God are what? Yes. So, Father, I thank you that all your promises are to me, yes. And therefore, I say to you, amen. So be it unto me. I believe I received my healing. I believe I received the finances that I need. I believe that I received direction. I believe that I received the grace. This is a major part of your faith walk. I believe that I receive a more than enough portion of your grace. 
to empower me to walk free from sin, to empower me to live holy before you, to empower me, right, to walk in the love of God always, in all situations, to walk by your faith, to have the courage to lay hold of things that I can't see that are beyond natural reasoning, I thank you that I receive enough grace that I have the courage and the boldness to always be led by the Spirit of God. So when he tells me to get out of the boat, I'm just led by the Spirit of God. See, that's the walk of a Christian. Isn't that good news? And that's got to be preached everywhere. We preach it over and over and over, right? Hallelujah. Go over to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. See, why am I saying these things? Because we got to get off the focus about what's happening to us. And let's look at what's happening in us. Because right now, you're, be, you're being strengthened. Your mortal body is being quickened by the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. He quickens your spirit. His word is full of life and power and the Holy Spirit is injecting it into the DNA of your spirit. So all of a sudden now, he's given me the eyes of understanding, right? Oh Lord, now, now I can see the hope of my calling. I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now the eyes of my understanding are being flooded with light. He's injecting the word and I'm seeing who I am in Christ. What I've been given. What I can do. Who he is. And now I know his plan for my life. I know the incredible inheritance that I've been given as his child. And I know the incredible power that is pointed towards me as I believe him. So I'm no longer focused about what's happening to me. Bring it. Because nothing is greater than him. I'm focused on what's happening in me. Boy, is God taking us? I, I could see it. We're all seeing things as they really are. Man, you should jump up in the morning and be so excited about life because I'm telling you, whatever you're facing here, it won't overcome you. You've already overcome. The Bible says whoever's born of God already overcomes the world. And what is the victory? It's our faith. We believe him at all costs. Hallelujah. Verse 22. And Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. So, over 24 hours earlier, he cursed the fig tree because there was no figs on it. 24 hours later, they, they walked by. If they would have cut the tree down, it still would have been green. It would have looked alive. It'd just be laying on the ground. But no, this was dried up from the root. In the same way, when you speak to your circumstance, don't, you might not see a change right away, but when you speak the word of God to your circumstance, the word, the word of God goes in and the power that's attached to it kills the root of it. And then it'll just work its way out. So it looked like this tree was hit by lightning. And then Peter's like, hey, man, dude, what, Jesus, what happened to the tree? And so now Jesus, he answers them. He's going to teach them about faith. Jesus says this in verse 23. For verily, he says, first of all, he says, have faith in God in verse 22. Or it could be translated, have the God kind of faith. Or have the faith that God has. In the Greek, you could translate it any way. But now he's going to explain what 
the faith of God is. So let's look at this. This is talking about faith against something first. He says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says shall come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Why? Because he knows he has eternal life. And because he knows that, he believes in the name of of the Son of God, and he knows that the God of heaven is watching over his word to perform it. And if he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll bring it to pass. You're not commanding God to do whatever you want. You're telling God, thank you. I believe I receive what you said you've already given me. Right? That's how you lay hold of these things. Now you look at verse 24. He says, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, Believe that you receive them. And this word receive means to seize hold of. What, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you take hold of it. Seize hold of it. Believe you receive it, and guess what? And you'll have it. See how, see how simple that is once you understand who you are in him. All these promises are in him, yes, are in him, amen, Right? So this is huge. Faith. 2 Timothy chapter 3. It starts out in verse 1 telling us, this is Paul writing a letter to Timothy. He says, Timothy, in the final days, in the last days, perilous times are going to come. Doesn't it say that right there in verse 1? Chapter 3, verse 1. In the last days, perilous times shall come. Guys, This word perilous means dangerous and difficult and strength-reducing days shall come. They're no longer shall come. They're here. We are well into them right now. So, and then it, it it explains all this stuff, but look at verse 14. He finishes up by saying, he says, Timothy, I want you to continue in the things which you've learned. And have been assured of knowing of whom you've learned them. So he's saying, Timothy, you need to remain in certain things. Philippians chapter 4 verse 9, we don't need to turn there. It says, it says continue in these things that you've learned. Well, if you look at what, it, what the Bible says, the Bible says you're to continue in the faith. You're, con- you're to continue in the word. You're to continue in the love of God. There are certain things we continue in. We're not a forgetful hearer. What we do, like tonight, we're all here. I mean, I could tell you the hunger level in this room is huge. You're all sitting there looking at me going, man, I love Jesus with all my heart, and I want to walk this thing out. I want to live a life pleasing to him. And and I'm, I'm telling you, that's where you are. Well, that's that's that you're there already. So now you continue in it. You're not a forgetful hearer. So you're hearing this tonight, but you're not going to do this and go your own way. You're not going to do that. That's what a hearer of the word does. No, you're going to do this. After church, this is, what's, this is what it's going to look like on the inside of you. As you're fellowshipping, right? You're still in the word, just in the word. You're fellowshipping, you get in your car, you're going home, the enemy jumps on your shoulder, you start speaking the word. Yeah. 
you only need a, a, one, one word from God can change everything. One word. Jesus has so much more power than anything he could ever throw at you, the enemy. So you just stay. You're not a forgetful hearer. The doer of the word continues in the word. So while you're going about your job at work, you'll be more productive if you're down in your spirit. You're just rolling scripture around on the inside of you. You get in your car, you're listening to teaching or you're listening to some good worship where, where they're declaring the word of God and, and you just live like this and then you surround yourself with people that you walk through life with that love God and are, and are, and are equally yoked. And, and, and you know now, because you might have to call one of them up, I might have to call Alex up and go, hey, Alex, it's pastor. Can you tell me how healed I am today? Can you tell me how strong I am in the Lord today? Not, not call you up and go, hey, brother. You know, we play the spiritual game. Hey, brother, you know, God's put me on your heart. Uh, how, how are you feeling? I've done that. I, I did that about two weeks ago. I did that. Or no, it was, it was right before we went on vacation, so a little over two weeks ago. And while I was on the phone with the person and did that, down in my spirit, the Holy Spirit's going, what are you doing? And, and as soon as he said that, that scripture, let your, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, so you know how to answer every man. And, and, how, and the other scripture about how your words are to edify and encourage, how is it going to help a brother if I'm asking them how they feel? I don't, I don't want you focused on how you feel. I want you focused on how you believe. And I'm going to encourage you with the word. Now, there might be times where you call somebody and I'm just like, hey, you know, Alicia, I, I, can you just, I, I need you to just encourage me right now because right now I'm not, I'm not feeling real encouraged. And then while I'm on the phone in 30 seconds, we're both, we're just like, yeah, you're right. I am more than a conqueror in Christ. I can do all things. He's str I'm strong in the Lord, right? I, we don't stay there for 30 minutes and, you know, and, well, what, you know, she doesn't answer and go, well, what's going on? No, 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 no. No, she starts giving me the word. And because the word builds me up, and pretty soon, in, in a matter of a minute, I'm like, yeah, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Alicia, thank you, man. Have a great, great day. I'm going to go conquer something. We got to be surrounded with people like that. This is how we lay hold. The word of God what do we do? We put it. I'm going to close with this. We put it first. We give it our undivided attention. This is Proverbs 4, verse 20 through verse 22. I give it my undivided attention. I ever keep the word of God before my eyes. I always see myself in line with the word of God. I always see my God for who he says he is. I keep his word in the midst of my heart and his word is life to me. Every moment of every day because I'm finding it and it's literally health to all my flesh. Amen? Well, I pray this is helpful.